Welcome to the Meditation Daily Podcast. My name is William Renner, and if you're new to the show, we're here to bring you mindfulness in daily life and to use that wisdom to envision a brighter future. On today's episode, I spoke with Martin Salama, founder of the Warrior's Life Code. And I was doing guided meditation one day, and I had this download of information. We spoke about moving from self-consciousness to self-awareness. I looked at myself and I realized I loved who I was becoming. And why the key to happiness is an attitude of abundance. If you put out an attitude of, I have everything, and I'm willing to give without any thought of getting back, things will start to flow your way. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button and please enjoy my conversation with Martin Salama. So Martin, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you, William. I'm, I'm excited to be here with you. So um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you got into the coaching process. Sure. So in uh, 2008, my wife and I were working on a project for about five years to build a multi-million dollar health club and tennis center down in New Jersey uh, by the Jersey Shore. And it took us that long to get all the approvals from the city, from the state, all the approvals we needed to, to, to be able to start building. So we finally got all the approvals in that summer, went to the bank and we go, okay, I've invested all the money we've got. I basically put all the money in the middle of the pot and we're ready to get going. It's time for you to lend us that money you told us you were going to lend us when we got all the approvals. And they're like, uh, sorry, we're not lending right now. The world's about to fall apart. I'm like, what are you talking about? And a month later, the financial world fell apart, thanks to people like Bernie Madoff and subprime mortgages and all that. And I lost absolutely every penny. I was uh, in a pretty bad place for about a year, very depressed, very unsure of what to do next. As I finally started to get out of this thought process of what am I going to do, I went back over my life and I realized the times that I was happiest and, and most successful was from, uh, from, from when I was working in, compu- in, in community events. I was a leader in the community events, helping people put on things, and I was always very, uh, very successful with it. And I realized that that's what I like to do. I like to help people, motivate people for them to get stronger and, 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 and uh, find out their own potential. So I said, oh, I'll become a life coach. So I decided that that's what I was going to do. About uh, two months later, it was my 24th wedding anniversary, and my wife said to me, I'm done. I, don't, I, I can't do this anymore. I want a divorce. I was totally shocked, uh, even though I should have known it was coming until it really actually happened. You never really know. I was sad. I was mad. I was confused. And maybe I should have turned to her and said, but I didn't get you anything like that for the anniversary, but I didn't. But looking back now, it was probably one of the best gifts I've ever gotten in my life from her because it gave me the ability by also going through life coaching to recognize that it's time for me to make some changes in my life. Mm -hmm. So I went into coaching with that mindset of, okay, I got to fix myself. And in that first week of life coaching training, I learned that the things that I thought I couldn't change, I could if I really wanted to badly enough. So that put me on that path of becoming a life coach. And when you, um, I guess before you got into that process, were there other life coaches that you'd been exposed to that inspired you on that path or how did you discover it? So yeah, I had along the way I had had other people uh, coach me over time, and um, and and I had realized that what they were doing was really really helpful to me. So I said, 
if it can help me, I can turn around and learn the same skills now that I understand. And and really, it was funny when I first went to life coaching school, I didn't think I needed to change. But as I got there, I realized that I can coach people based on my experiences of who I was, who I was becoming, and who I could continue to become. And is, is there a, a particular methodology that you're following with this? Or was it uh, self-developed? Or how did how did you... Like what, what, what is your process like? Um, that's a good question. I, I went through a, to a school called IPEC, which okay. is the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching. I don't know if you've heard it before. Mm-hmm. And, and they talk about core energy and that your energy is what really decides what happens to you on a daily basis. And there's seven levels of energy that we have that we, that we go through. The lower levels are uh, guilt and, and, and feeling in a, a victim mode, then you move up to conflict mode, which is really a step up, believe it or not. And those are catabolic or destructive. And as you move up the ladder to, to the third level, which is like more of a compromising, conciliatory, and then as you move forward up, you get a higher anabolic, positive, or, or constructive types of energies. Hmm. And uh, from what I, I understand, you have this concept of life, uh, which is yeah. L-I-F-E. Um, maybe you can speak a bit about what this is. Sure. So when I first finished coaching school, I, my niche was divorce recovery, helping people divorce, recover from the emotional pains of divorce, which makes sense. I had just gone through it, and I realized how much going through coaching had gotten me to recognize my my default tendencies, my things that were, were holding me back, and that you know, as much as I was like to believe that uh, it was all her fault, the, 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 the sure. divorce falling apart, we were both victims and we were both culprits to the, to the destruction of the marriage. So I realized that I could help people with that. So I did that for a few years. And as I developed myself and as I transformed myself, I looked at myself and I realized I loved who I was becoming. And that I've woke up every morning and I loved life. And I started doing things like meditation. And I'm, I'm ADD, ADHD actually. So sitting still for 10 minutes is a big thing for me. And I was doing guided meditation one day. And I had this download of information. And after the meditation, I worked, I, I wrote for about two to two and a half hours about all the things I wanted to coach people about how they can enjoy their life. And out of that came me taking the acronym for the word life and creating live incredibly full every day. And uh, what, what does it mean to live incredibly full every day? How do you apply that in your own life? That's a great question. So it, it, it means that I wake up every morning and I, and I start with gratitude. I write down at least three things in a gratitude journal of things I'm, I'm grateful for. It could be the smallest things. I'm grateful that I had a good night's sleep. I'm grateful that it rained last night and it, it, it helped the plants outside. I'm grateful that it's sunny now. Whatever it is that day that's helping me, that, that, that I can find to be grateful. I'm grateful that I made my wife a cup of coffee and she loved it. Whatever, you know, things like that. So that sets me on for the day. And then I, I, I do some prayers and I say to myself, today I'm going to live incredibly full every day. And what that means to me is that no matter what comes to me, I'm going to work on seeing the positive, the opportunistic, and the good sides of those things. 
I've heard somewhere that uh, you can't hold a negative thought and a positive thought at the same time. It might have been Tony Robbins or somebody that, that, that said this, but I think it's really true, like that practice of having gratitude. If you make space where you're deliberately holding um, a positive um, sense of gratitude, then it's just there's no space for the, uh, for the negative thoughts at that time. You know, I I haven't heard that before, but the more I'm thinking about it as you're saying it, I'm I'm trying to think of a time when I was positive and negative at the same time, and I can't think about it. And I I tell my clients, go from complaining to appreciating. Don't look to blame anybody else. Don't look to complain to anybody else about what's going on. Look to appreciate whatever it is that you do have, and then say, this is great, and how can I build on this? Mm -hmm. Um, maybe we could speak a little bit about self-responsibility from, uh, from the, from the perspective of somebody who, who meditates, self-responsibility is really at the core of meditation. Like when we blame, when we blame others, we're not taking responsibility for our own emotions and the way that we show up to the world. So what, what are your thoughts on self-responsibility? I, I, it's, it's, it's actually, I've taken the word life and used it in other part types of um, acronyms, and one of them includes the responsibility. L, live responsibly. Take responsibility for everything that's going on in your life. Don't look around and say, oh, this happened and it, and it, whatever. It's about recognizing that wherever you are in your life, take responsibility for it. And and, and part of that came from my, my understanding of meditation, as you mentioned. And then the I stands for inspire yourself to not complain, not to blame, to not look to, to worry about other things. Inspire yourself to be positive, to be thankful, to appreciate instead of complain. F then goes into feel gratitude. Be thankful. And, and then E is embrace all these things and go out and enjoy the day. Spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes just walking around, not thinking about time and how long things are going to be. And I, it's just a way for people to remember things. But responsibility starts with that. I'm wondering, um, sometimes it's difficult, you know, if we're, if we're feeling overwhelmed or stressed or angry at some particular situation, it's hard to remember these things and to shift into that, um, into, into that mindset. Do you have any techniques mm-hmm. that you recommend your clients of how they can, um, how they can shift? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of them is taking a moment when you're in those moments and saying, okay, why am I feeling this? And let me take in one of these ideas like life, live responsibly, inspire myself, feel gratitude and embrace it all. And and just come back down and, and use a few moments to get some introspection, retrospection of what's going on and saying, what's happening right now? And how is it affecting me? Or why is it affecting me? The, um, the meditation that I do is, part of it is awareness of the breath that's passing through the nostrils, the m- mindfulness of breath. And the other part of it is vipassana meditation, which is an awareness of the sensations on the body and um, making an attempt to stay equanimous with them and to not react in an averse or even a, a way of craving. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, the, the body is such an important part of this. When we are in a state of anger or frustration or anxiety, there's always a sensation on the body that's also happening. So um, finding ways of coming back into the body um, and having an awareness of like the reality of the body can be very helpful, I think, also. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're in tune with the meditation, that comes a lot of that. And, and, and that's something I'm still working on. But if you're in tune with all of the things that are going on within your body, like, for example, when you're in a tense situation, your body all of a sudden tenses up and the stress will hold you from feeling anything other than distress. Mm-hmm. But if you allow yourself to, as you're saying, let it go through and take a moment for yourself and say, why is this happening? And then allow your breathing to help get through that. That's a great way to 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 release the tension. Um, the the work that you do with your with your clients um, is it in person work? Is it online work? Um, do you do retreats? Maybe you can speak a bit about uh, those the answer things. to that is yes to all. Okay. <laughs> so I do in person, one to one in person, and one to one Zoom. I do group coaching as well, and I'm going. I I have a plan for my first retreat in January. Okay. 2023. Uh, can you speak a bit more about the retreat? What kind of uh, visions do you have for, for how that process will happen? So for me, it's about showing people how they can release the warrior within. So it's a warrior weekend. And men and women are warriors, by the way. <laughs> I believe very often that women are even greater warriors than men. Because to me, a warrior is somebody who's gone through adversity and come out the other side stronger. Hmm as a result of it. So it's not somebody that's, you know, dressed up in, in, <laughs> in, in warrior garb going out there and destroying, you know, de- defeating the world. It's about recognizing that I've just come through some things that are really affected me. And I could have either fallen down and cried and gone into a ball and just said, woe is me and have a pity party, or I could work through it and become stronger as a result of it. So that's what the weekend will, will help to bring some of that out is for people to recognize those things that are holding them back and how to release them so that they can move forward and live incredibly full every day. You've been um, in the coaching world for a while. I'm wondering, um, this it's kind of a new technology coaching, I think. Um, maybe you can reflect a little on the changes that you've seen in that, in that field and where, and where you think it's going. Do you, can you speak to that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when I first got into into uh, coaching about 2010, 2011, back then, uh, people would look at you and say, what kind of coach are you going to be? You're going to coach football? You're going to coach basketball? That was what they had as a mindset, as a sports coach. And when I would explain that what a coach does is help people, you know, figure out what their potential is. And, and one person I told that I learned this from my coaching school is that the, the, the difference between therapy and coaching is therapy takes you from dysfunctional to functional and coaching takes you from functional to optimal. Hmm. So if I have a client who's stuck in where they are and they can't move from there, I'll say, you know what? You're not ready for coaching. You need to go to therapy to help you figure out what's holding you back hmm. on that level. Then when you're really to, to, to recognize it, reflect on it and move forward, then you're ready to move forward and with coaching. So over the years, from then till now, coaching has become much more accepted because places like Fortune 500 companies have business coaches for their higher level executives. And that gave it a certain amount of um, credibility. Because hmm. if... if Fortune 500 CEOs are using coaches and they're very successful 
even in the minds of the of, of the outside people, the perception that they're accept, successful will then say, well, if they can do it, why can't I too? Sure. I have a similar, um, something you said about the, the, the difference between therapy and coaching reminds me a bit of meditation as well. I feel like um, in order to have a serious meditation practice, it's good if the mind is, is in a pretty balanced place to begin with. Um, so therapy, you know, even though I feel like meditation can really, um, is, it's kind of the, the answer for me. That's why I'm so focused on it is because I believe that this is really like the way to really get to the depth of the issues that are happening in your mind is through, through self-awareness um, and observation. But just to get to that point where you're able to start observing the self, having some form of therapy prior to that is, can be extremely helpful for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's because of people like Brene Brown, who's brought out the word vulnerability and made, and and I say that she's basically taken it out of the closet almost. Whereas in the past, saying, as especially as a man, saying that you're vulnerable would be looked at as, as a negative, as weakness, which is the way I grew up. You know, you're, be a man, man, you're strong. You don't show weakness. You you don't ask for help. And today, in today's society, but thanks to things like coaching, which I believe the number one thing about coaching is it's an accountability partner. Because it's easy to be accountable to your spouse, to your boss, to your children, to other people. But when you're when you need to be accountable to yourself, it's very easy for you to say, Well, I can't do that today. It's okay. Sure. And and disappoint yourself. By having a life coach in your life or a business coach or whatever kind of coach. You're now responsible, you're accountable to them, even though it's something that's benefiting you. The ability to have somebody to answer to gives you the desire to get that stuff done for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Um, Maybe we can talk a bit about an abundance mindset. What does it mean to have an abundance mindset and how does one balance that against um, facing the often difficult challenges that, that come with life and accepting accepting reality and accepting the difficult things. Because I know a lot of, uh, there's a lot of talk about, oh, have, have a positive intention. Uh, you know, if you put out the right attitude, then you'll manifest, you mm-hmm. know, the kind of reality that you want. But at the same time, you can't just say it's sunny outside and the birds are singing when it's raining, you know. So how do you balance those two? <laughs> Right. Absolutely. It's a great question. So for me, uh, uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, recognizing what you have in your life. And uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm Orthodox Jewish, so and I'm, I'm religious. So I, I, I practice, I, uh, I, I, I watch, I hold the Sabbath holy. I don't, you know, do any, any work or anything. And I go to synagogue. And as a matter of fact, in a couple of weeks in the Torah portion, it talks about the brothers Jacob and Esau. Esau. Uh, and they had had a fight. And they, they Jacob was got the blessings from his father Isaac and ran away because Esau was going to kill him. And he was gone for about 20 years. And when he decided to come back home, by this time he had 11, 12 children, four wives. He was rich beyond, beyond belief and all that. But he was still afraid about what was going to happen when he saw his brother. So he starts going and he hears that his brother's coming towards him. Like he's two days away. Hmm. So now he's nervous about this. And uh, he sets up where he's sending camps ahead of him to meet with the brother, Esau, and give him gifts. 
this is from your servant Jacob. This is from your servant Jacob. And each time it would be a different camp. It would be maybe uh, one of this, his wives with their children, another one of his wives with their children. And as he got closer, so he was breaking him down. And when they finally met, they they hugged and they both started crying. And his, uh, Aesop said to him, you didn't, you know, thank you for all these gifts. You didn't have to give these to me. I have a lot. And Aesop's, and Jacob's answer was, I have everything. Wow. And right there, is the difference between lack and abundance. Asaph was saying, I have a lot, but thank you. I want it and I want more. And Jacob's answer is, I have everything I need. And if I don't get anything tomorrow, I'll be good the way I am. So the change of a lot to everything. So I now I take that into my life and I say, whatever I have, I'm grateful for. And of course I want more, but it's the, the mindset behind it. If you put out a mindset of, oh, I want, and the desperation with it, Mm-hmm. that's what the universe will hear and you won't get it. But if you put out an attitude as I have everything and I'm willing to give and without any thought of getting back, things will start to flow your way. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're speaking of this, I'm, I'm remembering that with meditation, morality is a, is a very important foundational component of meditation. And mm-hmm. um, the abundance mindset also seems to me like it could be uh, understood from a perspective of morality as well, because when we um, when we are generous, you know, we're also being moral. You know, when we when we feel like we we have the ability to share, then we're also we're not hoarding things. We're um, we're able to keep, you know, the flow of energy and matter moving through through the universe. So. Um, I think that also has a really deep impact on the mind and the and the um, the peace and the happiness that happens within a person's mind. So that abundance mindset, I think that even if it doesn't, I mean, probably it would start to bring uh, good into the life as well. But even just from a perspective of keeping the mind happy and calm, I think it has uh, you know a lot of benefits. Absolutely, I agree with you on that. It's about what comes in your mind and how you process it when it's coming in. You could look at it and say, you know, I have to do this. Or you could look at it and say, I get to do this. Or I have to see this this way. Or I get to see this that way. Mm-hmm. It's all the perspective that you, we, you're willing to take when it comes into you. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have problem with the nine to five saying, I get to do the nine to five rather than... Uh, you know. Yes, I get it. I, I understand that. But think of it this way. Look at all the people who don't have a job, mm-hmm. who are suffering, who don't have enough to put on the table. Mm-hmm. And if they say, I get to go to this job, it may not be the job I love to do, but I get to do it so that I can live a decent life. I can have food on the table. And then if I'm really motivated to do something more, I'll find the time other times before work, after work to, 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 to proceed to, to pursue what I really want to do so that I can one day transfer and move over to that. I thought about something, somebody was speaking on meditation uh, on some podcast I came across recently, and they were speaking about how um, when we're, the mind is, is happier when it is in the present moment like there is uh, there's scientific evidence to show this so even if if we're at our nine to five for example and we are thinking about um 
we're imagining, oh, I don't want to be here. I'm like, I, I don't like this. Of course, we're going to be in a negative state. But even if we are thinking, oh, I'm imagining my beautiful future and uh, this is just temporary, even if we're in that kind of state of mind, it still isn't as beneficial or it still doesn't bring as much happiness as directly being in the present moment. Um, I know for my right. own work right. uh, on my, uh, my time, my time off from doing the podcast, I roll bagels, uh, for an income and the, the, f- the act of rolling the bagels is if you can really actually be in the present moment, uh, with the physicality of the work, um, there's a lot of gratitude in just being in, in that present moment, even without thinking about, oh, this is a temporary, this is a, you know. Absolutely. I know exactly how you feel about that. I mean, on a different level, um, but still, we, we, it, it, it correlates. So after my divorce, I moved about an hour away from my children. And every other weekend, I would have them for Friday night, Shabbat dinner for the weekend, because we don't travel on the holiday, on, on the Shabbos, on the Shabbat. So I would get them from before. And in the beginning, they would come to New York. They lived in New Jersey. And we would go to my family for Friday night dinner, which is a big deal in the the Jewish community to have Friday night dinner. We'd go to my sisters or we'd go to my mom or something like that. And one time they said to me, Dad, we don't always want to go out on a Friday night. We'd love to just stay home and have Friday night dinner at home. So I said to them, listen, guys, if you're okay with me learning how to cook, and because my my ex-wife... Fantastic cook. Fantastic cook. And my parents and my mother and my sisters are all great cooks. I said, if you're okay with me learning and telling me what's good, what's bad, and how I can make things better, I'll do it. I'll start learning how to cook. And as a result, I started cooking and I loved it. I'd get in the room, Mm. in the kitchen, and I would immerse myself in the process of understanding how to cook and all that to the point now that I love cooking. And when I got married again to another woman, five, seven, six, seven years later, she's corporate. She works all day. She's a great cook, but she doesn't love to cook. I work out of the house. I'm the, I'm the chef in the house. I cook mm-hmm. and I love doing it. And it's, the more I do it, the more I'm present there, it's cathartic for me. It's a great place for me to, to get my feelings out, to do what I'm doing, and to enjoy what I'm doing. And I serve my food with love. And now people start like... Her family said, of course, Martin, we're coming to you for Thanksgiving, right? I'm like, okay. (laughs) Because they see how much I enjoy it and how much I enjoy watching people enjoy being with each other and enjoying my meals. Mm. I can relate to that for sure. The the cooking experience, often I feel like I'm so busy, I'm too rushed to cook. But when I really do give myself that time to cook, uh, even though I'm not, you know, I'm not great at it, but... Um, you know, chopping vegetables, even doing dishes can be a very peaceful experience for sure. Yeah, I'm a slob when it comes to the rest of the house, but you come into my kitchen, it's pretty much clean the entire time, even while I'm cooking, because as I, as something's cooking on the stove, I'm cleaning the pots and pans because I like the clean atmosphere that it gives me to to feel while I'm while I'm cooking. Hmm. Um. Is there anything else that you'd like to speak on uh, while we're here? We were talking about it earlier, about abundance, the mindset. And I have this technique that I call the cycle of A's uh, that I use to help me to, to manifest the things I want in my life. 
Okay. So we've all heard about the many of us have heard about the law of attraction, right? Mm-hmm. And that it, it works whether we want it to or not, it's happening. And uh, so I believe that the law of attraction is just the foundation for getting what you want in your life, what you desire. So, and there's a difference to want and a desire. For me, want is is really a a, a a a a mindset of lack, whereas desire is a mindset of abundance. Mm. Okay. So I I have this this um, technique called the cycle of A's, and A the first one is ask ask the universe ask God whoever your higher power is for what you want in your life. Could be anything. Ask for it. Then the second A is act. Act towards getting those things. Do the actions necessary. Well, that's where the difference between the law of attraction comes in. Because law of attraction says just think about it, feel mm-hmm. it, and it'll come in. I don't believe that. I think there's more to it. You've got to do the actions to get it to really come to you. And then the last A is attitude. Have an attitude of I don't care about the outcome. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not about a negative outcome or a positive outcome. It's about whatever outcome comes... And if it's not what you were hoping for, what can I learn from this so that I can make a course correction to keep going and never have a feeling of like, I failed, or I can't believe this didn't work or anything like that. Of just saying whatever's coming, it's neutral and it's on the journey of where I want to go. I love that. And then you just keep on perpetuating that cycle of A's. I've heard uh, recently somebody talking about the, they call it the law of detachment, which is kind of, I think, the third A in your, uh, in your puzzle. It's, uh, you know, not being attached to the outcome. I think those are really important that those, there is a tendency in the modern world for people to, uh, to think if they ask, then that's enough. But really action is critical and uh, action is um, part of self-responsibility and uh, mm-hmm. and then that non-attachment, which is part of what, what I practice with my meditation, is uh, non-attachment by observing the physical sensations in the body and not clinging to them. Um, that non-attachment part is also key because if we desire something and we act towards it and we don't get it, we need to be at peace with that for our own happiness right. in that moment, but also, as you said, in order to open our perception to the other possibilities that are there. Exactly right. It could The universe could be sending you a message saying, this isn't the path you need to be on. And it's about you recognizing that it's a possibility. If you are so strong with wanting that to happen and it doesn't, you won't see that it's telling you, the universe is telling you this isn't right for you. Because you'll just keep pushing for it and pushing for it. Mm-hmm. Even though it's the universe keeps on telling you, no, it's not what you should be. It's not the path you should be taking. So if you have the attitude of detachment or the attitude of I don't care, then that will help for when things come up for you to have a more, not fully, but a more objective view as to what you're going, what, mm-hmm. what's happening. I think it's important to uh, to to say that it's, it's we, sh- we need to be careful to to not detach in a way where we we don't care in the sense that we're like oh you know like almost a- angry at the universe if it doesn't deliver like oh I don't I don't really care like we right. need to be accepting right. like the reality like maybe we do care but we need to also we need to be able to let it go in a way that you know we don't we care but we are at peace with whatever other possibility right. is happening 
I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you you clarified that. That's a great clarification of that. It's not of I don't care and be angry. It's a it's it's almost like an ambivalence of like okay, mm-hmm. this is what it is, and move from here. Mm-hmm. As an artist, um, yeah. I was making making music for most of my adult life before doing this podcast, and um, I I came into meditation and I made this strong decision to just make meditation the center of my life. And then my artistic process started to shift and adapt to having the meditation as the foundation. So first I was doing a kid's show about meditation. And then through some complications with that, I ended up pivoting and now I'm doing this podcast. But, you know, I was I was very much um, bullish or just like determined to do this music thing, like fighting against the universe in a lot of ways, fighting against myself um, and now I feel in a place where I'm a lot more open to, um, you know, adapting. And like, uh, I think it, from an artistic and it probably any kind of creative perspective, that adaptability is like key to, you know, progress. Right. Absolutely. That, that, well said. Well said. So, so yeah, that's that's would be something. Uh, if people can take that away from what we're talking about today, that's a great thing for them to start practicing. And and I they could do it easily by, you know, if, if they're afraid that they can't remember what I talked about here, they can go to connectwithmartin.com and, and they can download a worksheet on the cycle of A's. Wonderful. Well, Martin, thank you so much for being on the show. I've appreciated it. Well, William, thank you so much. I've enjoyed our time together. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Martin Salama and that you're taking action in your life because an abundance mindset can only go so far. We need to take action, but also remember to let things go. That's where the mindfulness comes in. So if you're interested in more wholesome and uplifting content, check out this video here or maybe this video here. Bye for now.